Selfishness, insecurity, fear, there are a lot of reasons why a person would keep their distance from God. Fully committing to Him means that a lot of things will change. As Pastor Daniel teaches today, drawing nearer to the Savior means walking yourself into the inner courts. That's where you'll hear from Him and be enabled to do the work that He wants you to do. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Furniture and Fashion. Try and check chapter 27 and chapter 28. I've called it furniture and fashion. Furniture and fashion because we have the altar of incense, we have the care or the court of the tabernacle, all the outer court stuff, and then we have just the care for the menorah. And then in chapter 28, we get all the different gear that God was going to have designed for the priests to wear. That's why I called it furniture and fashion. So without further ado, Let's jump right on in. Verse 1 of Exodus chapter 27. It says, You shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide. The altar shall be square and its height shall be three cubits. You shall make its horns on its four corners. Its horn shall be of one piece with it and you shall overlay it with bronze. Also, you shall make its pans to receive its ashes and its shovels and its basins and its forks and its fire pans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. You shall make a grate for it, a network of bronze. And on the network, you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners. Verse 5, you shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath that the network may be midway up the altar and you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and over they overlay them with bronze. The poles shall be put in the rings and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. You shall make it hollow with boards as it was shown to you on the mountain, so shall you make it. Now, Remember I said, when we saw the pictures, when you were to walk into the outer courts of the tabernacle, this is the place where anyone can go, you ran right into this bronze altar of the sacrifice. Ran right into it. It was hands down the largest piece of furniture there. Notice what it says in verse 1. It's of acacia wood, five cubits long by five cubits wide. Remember I said that the cubit was an ancient measurement, the distance between the crook of your elbow to the tip of your finger for most people. It's about a foot and a half. So that would make this about seven and a half feet wide and long. 
It's a very big barbecue. It's what it was. It was very large. And it was right what they walked into. Every single person who came, who came to worship Yahweh, the true and living God, when they walked in to the outer courts of the tabernacle, they ran right into this. Right into it. You couldn't miss it. And don't think that that's by chance. Every single Jewish person in subsequent generations, whether it's in the tabernacle up until the time of Solomon and then it's in the temple when the mobile tabernacle was retired and the temple stood, they would walk right in and they would see this bronze altar where the sacrifices were being offered. Why? Because that idea of somebody had to pay the price for the sins of the people were completely etched into their collective psyche. They saw this week in, week out, year in, year out. This was so much a part of the system that God had ordained for the children of Israel that they would always realize the severity of sin. And I think it's an important point for us because we live in a culture that doesn't realize the the severity of sin. We've lost any conception of the holiness of God. And because we've lost the conception of the holiness of God, we just think everything is okay. I mean, I remember when I was growing up on late night TV, like the Wonder Years was on. And now you go to watch the TV at night and you're just like, wow. Wow. See, our culture has lost the reality that when you sin, that is an affront to God. And because you sin, you are rightfully deserving of death. And that's why people say, I don't need Jesus. I mean, I'm okay. By whose standard? By whose standard are we okay? We live in a permissive culture. But God wanted his people to realize that their decisions had consequences. And that the wages of sin was death. And they were very used to every single year and numerous times during the year, we're going to find ultimately that there's going to be sacrifices going on every single day. They are constantly being reminded that their actions have consequences. And although they are deserving of death, God is willing to accept a substitute in their place. And all of this was a setup That was a setup for them to realize that ultimately God was going to do away with the sacrificial system in one final sacrifice. The sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. And that is why the temple is unnecessary now. Because God sent his own son, the Lamb of God, to die once for all. To be a perpetual sacrifice for atonement for the people. But this was right there. Right there for them. They saw it over and over again. Notice. So it's seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide. The altar shall be square and its height shall be three cubits high. So again, this is big. Four and a half feet high. The perfect height for barbecuing. I mean, it is. It really is. Notice. Verse 2, you shall make its horns on its four corners. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with bronze. So in this square, seven and a half feet square, four and a half feet high, there's, there's horns on each corner. And the idea of the horns was it was able so the sacrifice could be tied to it. That's why it was there. It's all one piece, 
all of it overlaid with bronze. Bronze was a common metal. If you were studying secular history at this time, they would call it the Bronze Age. It's before they figured out how to mix iron. So bronze was the common metal of the day. Now remember, everything in the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place were made of what? Gold. Now you're in the outer courts, it's made of what? Bronze. Why? Because the farther you get away from the presence of God, the more common you become. That's the picture. The most beautiful things are in the Holy of Holies, even within the tent. It's all gold on the inside. But once you get to the outer courts, it's just bronze. And that is a spiritual principle. We become more common the farther we get away from the presence of God. And that's why, I mean, people say to me, so Pastor Daniel, what do you think of carnal Christians? They're people who believe in Jesus, but they live like that they love the devil. They're Christian in name, but not in lifestyle, not in actions. And in a lot of ways, it's like someone saying, hey, I'm going to worship God, but I'm just going to hang out in the outer courts when I have access to the Holy of Holies. I would call that a knucklehead decision. It's a knuckleheaded decision to have total access to the presence of the Lord and stay outside where it's common. But people do it. You can't make people follow hard after Jesus. But those who do, you realize the blessing that comes from it. Because all of a sudden, as you get close to the Lord and as you follow hard after him, what ends up happening is, is you start changing. And you used to do all this stuff that the common people do, but all of a sudden you're like, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. I used to be that person. That's not who I am today. That's not who God has made me to be. And so all of a sudden you start changing. You're not judgmental about people who used to do it. You're like, why would I want to be involved in that anymore? I mean, that's old school. That's retro me. And old I mean, you guys remember what it looks like when you look at those retro pictures of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Obadiah brought home his yearbook, you know, from school. He's in kindergarten. I'm like, I'm taking pictures of this stuff, though. He's like, it's a good picture of me. I'm like, you won't think so in about 10 years. <laughs> but seriously, the closer we get to the presence of God, the less common, the more precious we become. The more we realize and see ourselves for who we really are. It's so easy to hang out in the outer courts, isn't it? Because it still has the, the look of Christianity, doesn't it? It has the look of um, being religious. You can hang out in the outer courts. You're not anywhere close. The action's not really there. But you're there and you're like, yeah, I'm in. But you're really not. So brothers and sisters, go deep with the Lord. The only thing holding you back from the Holy of Holies is your own decisions. God's got the, he's got the doors wide open being like, come on in. Let's hang out. So feel free to come on in. It's not by chance that bronze is in the outer courts. It's not by chance at all. At all. Now, look at what it says. Once you get to verse 3, it says, also you shall make its pans to receive its ashes and its shovels and its basins and its forks and all its fire pans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. You shall make a great fort, a network of bronze. And on the network, you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners and you shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath that the network may be midway up the altar and you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, verse 6, and overlay them with bronze. The poles shall be put in the rings and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. You shall make it hollow with boards 
as it was shown to you on the mountain, so shall you make it. Now, notice, there's all sorts of tools of the trade, for those of you who like barbecuing, involved with this brazen altar. There are pans and shovels and basins and forks and fire pans and all these things. Because they were slaughtering animals and then cooking them on fire. And there's things they needed to do with the ashes. There's things they needed to do with the blood, obviously. If you ever barbecue, you need to flip that stuff over. So all these things are, there's the tools of the trade are in there. It's all made of bronze as well. Notice this brazen altar's got two sections. It's got the lower section with a grating or a network of bronze and then the upper section. Obviously, for those of you who have a barbecue, most of them are made this way where you can pull out the bottom pans. You can get some of the grizzle out and all that. It's all that same way. And notice this, like all the other pieces of furniture, have rings and poles on them. Why? Because this was a mobile worship center. And because it was a mobile worship center, when the, when the pillar of fire by night or the cloud by day moved, the people got up and moved with it. And so somebody needed to come on each side, four people, grab the poles and bring that brazen altar, like every other piece of furniture, to its next spot. So it was designed to be mobile. Because the children of Israel had not come into the promised land yet. They, at this point, are going to travel in the wilderness for 40 years yet. Notice at the end of verse 8, it says, You shall make it hollow with boards as it was shown to you on the mountain, so shall you make it. We've seen this about three or four times now, right? God had given them very specific instructions on what he wanted. And he keeps coming back to it and saying, Make it the way I told you to make it. And each time we've seen that, I've made the point that we need to be simply obedient to Jesus. Simply obedient to the word of God. When God, he says what he means, he means what he says. So let's not try and wiggle around it. Moses, they got the plan. God said, this is the plan. And they executed the plan. And we should be simply obedient like that. Make it just the way God, he has good reasons why he wants certain things the way that they are. So we need to simply be obedient. Now, picking up in verse 9, we start to get the what we call the outer court. It says, you shall also make the court of the tabernacle. For the south side there shall be hangings for the court made of fine woven linen, 100 cubits long, for one side, and it's 20 pillars, and their 20 sockets shall be of bronze, the hooks of the pillars, and their bands shall be silver. In verse 11, likewise also the length of the north side, there shall be hangings 100 cubits long, and it's 20 pillars, and their 20 sockets of bronze, and the hooks of the pillars, and their bands of silver. Verse 12, and along the width of the court of the west side shall be hangings of 50 cubits with their 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. The width of the court on the east side shall be 50 cubits. The hangings on one side of their gate shall be 15 cubits and their three pillars and their three sockets. And on the other side shall be hangings of 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen 20 cubits long, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen made by a weaver. It shall have four pillars and four sockets. All the pillars around the court shall have bands of silver. Their hooks shall be of silver and their sockets of bronze. The length of the court shall be a 100 cubits. The width, 50 throughout, and the height, 5 cubits, made of fine 
woven linen and its sockets of bronze, all the utensils of the tabernacle for all its servants, all its pegs, and all the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. Now, this is fascinating. Because what we find is that all of ancient Israel worshipped at God's house, but not everyone worshipped in God's house. If you look at the way this is designed, you have the tent, the holy place in the Holy of Holies, which was in effect God's house, specifically the Holy of Holies. But all the people simply came to the outer courts. They spent time outside. And in a lot of ways, this is designed a lot of the way our houses are designed today and what was very common for people who lived in tents in that day. You would have people, you'd receive them outside. Maybe there'd be a sitting area on the inside, but most often you don't invite people into your bedroom, right? There's your, there's your outside. You can have a whole big party in the backyard. Maybe let some people into the downstairs, but you don't let them into the most private places. And in a lot of ways, this is designed the same way where you have the outer court, which is where people would enter. They would spend time in the outer courts. Now, the tabernacle measured about 15 feet wide and about 45 feet long. And that took up only a small portion of what ended up being the courtyard, because the courtyard, according to its layout here, is 150 feet or 100 cubits, long and 75 feet wide, which was 50 cubits. So the courtyard itself was about 11,250 square feet. So the courtyard is large in comparison to this tent where the Holy of Holies and the Holy is. It was a perfect oblong shape, twice as long as it was wide. Now, why was it there? This court the outer court. It had really a fourfold purpose. One, it was a barrier that pre prevented unlawful approach. Notice, it's covered in all around. There's one way in and one way out. So the idea was, is that although God wanted everyone to worship him, there was really only one way in through that gate. Notice, out of everything about that outer court, the only thing that was truly decorative was the entryway. We find, remember, it's made of fine linen with the purple and the scarlet thread, all these things. Everything else, some of it was nice, but that was really nice. Why? Because you're stepping into the presence of God. And the beauty, remember we said the beauty is on the inside? The entryway was meant to be inviting, but it did function to keep people on the outside. Second, it was protection. It kept out wild animals. There's all these curtains and everything is quartered off. So people couldn't just bum rush into it. No one could just make their way into the holy place or the holy of holies. Notice, third, it was a positive line of demarcation between the presence of God and the world. Something special happened when you walked into those courts. It was a dividing line. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what Jesus is, isn't he? Jesus is the dividing line. God's dividing line. People say it to me all the time. They'll be like, you know, I'll be talking to someone about the Lord. I love sharing the gospel with people. And they'll be like, you know, I just don't understand you Christians. I mean, why is it got to be all about Jesus? I mean, listen, you know, so like, so I'm a Buddhist. I mean, what's the big deal? I'm like, are you really a Buddhist? That's, if anyone ever tells you they're a Buddhist, that should always be your next question. 
Are you really a Buddhist? Because American culture, because it's Western, we have this affinity for Buddhism, but nobody even has a clue what Buddhism is all about. They really don't in the West. It's amazing. If you ever take a trip to a place where Buddhism is actually practiced, it's way different than just doing a little yoga. It's a whole other ballgame. Like you go into Buddhist temples. I've been there in Nepal. You go into these Buddhist temples and there's all paintings of demons everywhere. You're like, great. Wow, this is exciting. It's like a horror show. You know, and there's nothing like seeing a Buddhist monk wearing a brand new pair of Nikes. There was actually an article, I don't even know, I'm off on a tangent, I'm sorry. But there was an article in the newspaper about they're trying to cut down on these monks who are, who, are, who are living the Gucci life in the name of being monks. I mean, talk about a tragedy. But anyway, how did I get off on that? Oh, the line of demarcation. Because <laughs> I'm having my, <laughs> the track is over here and I don't even know where I am. I'm doing donuts in the other parking lot. <laughs> See, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, look, everything else is worldly. This is where spirituality lives. Jesus made himself the line of demarcation. And it's been said often that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, all three are distinct possibilities if you actually read what Jesus says and see what he does. Because when he says things like, I and my father are one, either A, he's lying, B, he's loco, or C, he is God in the flesh. And so it's an honest assessment. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. And someone say, well, I think Jesus is a liar. And I say, well, then prove it. Show me where he lies. And then you start dancing. Because it's hard. Oh, I think Jesus was a lunatic. Really? So, so, so our position now is that people who say love and self-give and be compassionate, that's a lunatic in this day and age? Well, maybe. Or he's the Lord. And, and this tabernacle, this outer court, it was a specific line. This is when you're out. This is where you're in. And people all the time say, what do I need to do to be right with God? I always say the same thing. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus that's the line right there. And it's a clean line. You either believe in Jesus or you don't. You either believe that he was God's son and he died on a cross for you and rose from the dead or you don't. It's really not very gray. You're either in or you're out. And if you're here today or you're watching online or someone's giving you this, listen, you need to make a decision about Jesus. Jesus doesn't give you like, I'm just going to sit on the fence with Jesus. Fence were not invented to be sat on. And when you do, they're incredibly uncomfortable. So you need to make a decision. Do you believe in Jesus or do you not? And each one of those decisions has eternal consequences. Not only later, but now. Jesus is The inner courts and outer courts of the tabernacle served as dividing lines. Pastor Daniel noted that believers today can be stuck in that outer court between the world and God, trying to be in both places. We have to move inward to be closer to Him. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. 
Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues to teach about the furniture and responsibilities of the priests in the tabernacle. We know that Scripture says we are a kingdom of priests, and next time we'll find out why. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us again. And please tune in next time for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. It's